This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. This episode, we bring you the awesome Rosie McCarthy, and she's pretty badass too. And on that note, she has her own company called Badass Careers, where that's actually celebrating their 10-month anniversary. And this episode is just amazing for you all. Specifically, in this episode, you'll hear how, how Rosie really built her coaching business and her superpower of establishing that focus and developing one platform where she could speak to one type of client and have them get on one kind of call and then move into that. So very much she's created content. She even has her own YouTube channel. She has actually multiple and you're going to hear how she has developed that over time in developing her target market to the point where she kind of already knows what they're thinking and she's in their heads. So very much Rosie is coming on the podcast and sharing her story and how she became a career coach moving from New Zealand to France, then back to New Zealand, but more so on how she honed that zone of genius for herself, developed that focus, and really started creating compelling content that's led to a successful coaching business and an even more successful coach that brings results to her clients. Well, thanks so much for joining the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Rosie, I'm super excited to have you here today, not only because I have a special place in my heart for New Zealand, but doing research on you too. You also lived in France. And before we hit the record button, we were talking about how much we also love France too. So I was doing research and I'm like, she's already my best friend. I just need to bring her on the <laughs> podcast. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to talk about my favorite topic, which is career coaching, followed only by New Zealand and France. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Well, you know, they're all like competing kinds of things for me <laughs> too. So we'll figure out how we can mesh them all together. But cool. just for people who maybe haven't heard of you or meeting you for the first time, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm a pretty new career coach myself. So I'm just about to have my one year birthday as a career coach. I'm the founder of Badass Careers and I focus on helping really ambitious, high achieving millennial women to find their purpose and to brand and position themselves and then either build or land that next dream career move for them. And I've been in it for, yeah, about 10 months as of today. So that's super exciting. But before that, I was in HR and recruitment for 10 years and had quite an international career from New Zealand to Paris and some places in between. And I was most recently working for L'Oreal in Paris, so the headquarters there for the past four years. 
And that's where I was really deep diving into leadership development, talent development um, programs that were, yeah, really around strengths-based leadership and finding your purpose and your thing within the company. And that definitely, you know, triggered my passion and interest into all of that thing around, you know, finding your ikigai and finding your purpose and and aligning your career to your strengths. I was already into it, but it really cemented that for me. Before that, I had worked in consulting, tech startups, another big Fortune 500 LVMH group, uh, who are the group that own Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, Guerlain, Dior, like all of those big French luxury brands. And before that, the multinationals in New Zealand. So yeah, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. But I think that what's quite interesting about my story is that for the past three years, I've also been a side hustler, a YouTuber. I have my own personal YouTube channel, you know, which is monetized and basically a part-time job. And yeah, so I've got lots of different things going on. And I'm, I think, quite a representation of that new portfolio career. Mm, I love that phrase, that portfolio career, because I think so many of the people who listen to this podcast, they're doing all this stuff on top of a full-time job. They're doing this on top of other projects. So mm. I definitely want to get into your other YouTube channel, which again, I was doing some research and I was binging a little bit yesterday because your French, of course, is way better than mine. I, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I'm definitely going to be going back and watching some more episodes and making sure <laughs> and brush that up. But as you were getting in this journey, why did you want to become a career coach in the first place? I think it all started with a value shift for me. So long story short, I got married to a Frenchman and <laughs> my value for freedom became my number one. I remember starting to feel quite claustrophobic at the idea of working for a company and having to ask for annual leave to go home and feeling almost like trapped in that way. You know, I loved my life in France, but I imagined a life between New Zealand and France that looked a little bit more fluid. And so that freedom and idea of working for myself really sort of came to the top for me. And so I thought it could be a good moment to do a bit of work again on my ikigai on my, obviously my personality, my values, my strengths, have, you know, a bit of a stock take to see where things were at Mm -hmm. and where I can package everything that I, who I am and what I know with, you know, what the world needs. And so I went through that exercise and I kind of had the two main options. I had my, my personal YouTube channel, which was about French culture, French language, and I still keep it up for fun. And what's the the name of it, by the way? Not even French. So, yeah. Not even French. <laughs> Not even French, exactly. Cool. And at that point, it, it was cruising on towards 100,000 subscribers. And I knew that if I really wanted to, if I really wanted to make it a thing, and this is obviously some, a project I was doing on the side on evenings and weekends, I could probably go all in, could probably go full time with it. Mm-hmm. However, it just didn't sort of pass that internal alignment test, right? It didn't quite energize me to the fullest extent when I was thinking, I was like, I'm not sure I want to talk about French people for the rest of my life, you know? (laughs) So I just, I was like really um, exploring and basically through that process, career coaching emerged, being an online career coach in in terms of packaging my, you know, last 10 years in HR and recruitment. um, I didn't know what kind of career coaching, but that's what emerged at that point. And that's when I started sort of thinking about it on the side and building up an eventual project. And then life kind of hit me in the face um, where my French husband got a job offer back in New Zealand. And so I very, very ironically, I followed him 
back home for me through a job offer he got um, during one of our visits here. And so, yeah, long story short, I was like, it's time. I often talk about so many times in this podcast or when I'm often thinking about it with the clients and the people who are working with coaches that, that I talk to, it's like you're wanting to make these decisions and either you make it or life will make it for mm. you. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's so interesting because you mentioned really that value shift and where I talk to so many coaches and for a lot of our listeners here too, if they, that freedom is such a big thing. And I was listening to one of your other interviews on another podcast and you talked about like these, oh shit type of moments, mm. and like that, oh shit moment of, all right, we're, we're going back here. And we talked before we hit the record button today, a little bit about being away from family and all the things that are happening too. So mm. it's one of the biggest things. Yeah. That, that I see with people who are looking to become coaches is that value of freedom but more so mm. of creating that thing of your own. And it's so interesting and inspiring that really before even starting this whole like coaching spot, you were already doing that kind of in another sense too, which is just, just awesome. So mm. you know, it sounds like, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask is when do you know it was time to make that leap? So it sounds like very much that that move back home, that move back to New Zealand was that time. I guess, yes, definitely. That's how I knew. And then I sort of made sure that things were in place. It's, it's interesting how everything kind of fell into place in that way, because, you know, I didn't know two years prior to that point when starting my Not Even French YouTube channel, that that would be a thing. And then when I resigned from L'Oreal, I actually negotiated to keep working for them as a consultant from New Zealand for a while. So I put things in place to kind of make sure that financially I could pay my bills mm -hmm. while I was building up this coaching practice. So that all sort of came together quite nicely. I'm not saying it was easy. I was still juggling three things and working 80, 90 hour weeks, but um, <laughs> it was, it was a lot, but yeah. So, so it was quite interesting because it's almost like everything almost led to that point in some way. And it's almost just through putting yourself out there and doing other things on top of your nine to five and creating those potential opportunities and options for yourself. Mm. No, I'm not on not even French full time, but it taught me how to do YouTube. It taught me how to do digital marketing. It taught, mm -hmm. taught me about search engine optimization and it gave me an, an audience in the community so that I was able to understand all of that groundwork, which is so, so applicable to the coaching world. So that was really cool. And just to your point earlier about, you know, that value shift as well, for me, it was about what impact do I want to make? Because I had this niggling feeling inside of me for a while. I was working in corporate HR, which was amazing because it was the international level. I loved working with countries all around the world and I loved developing incredible projects. I developed a company culture mobile app. I developed like international trainings on purpose and leadership for millennials. And I was having such a great time. But for most of the time, like throughout the year, I mean, I couldn't name our employees. Mm. You know, I was working at the corporate level. I was almost like it's HR for HR, right? So I felt so far removed from people. And I knew when I was doing my icky guy, one of my Clifton strengths is relator. And I just crave that one-to-one. -one. Yeah, you too. <laughs> relator is my number one. Everybody knows yeah, okay. the podcast for a while. We all know. I can totally see that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so wanting to build a career around your strengths as well, I think is so, so important and to listen to those. And mm. I was in the one-to-many model in my corporate role and I didn't really know people. So when I started coaching, I just felt like a whole new side of me was just 
delighted with that as well. So I think it's really important as well when you're thinking about this shift, it's like, how can I build it around this, my strengths? How can I be the kind of coach or design the kind of coaching practice? Cause I do not have to look the same around my strengths as well. I think it's so interesting. That, that is almost the question to ask someone at the beginning is, and how do you want this to look and how can you mm. make it in a way that's going to look towards, look towards with your strengths and more so from the coaching business itself, from like, how are you coaching people? Are you doing more one-on-one? Are you doing group? Are you doing programs? Those mm. all decisions somewhat come later, but it's more mm. of how do you want to specifically work with people? But I think too, even from the business and marketing standpoint too, and I'm curious because you said one interesting point that I think would be incredibly valuable for our listeners, which is mm. we're working 80 to 90 hours a week and you negotiated a consulting role with your mm. employer. So now you're like, hey, I'm leaving, but could you mm. keep paying me for a little bit and, and while it's still doing yeah. this? It's incredibly awesome. So I guess where I want to make sure and I want to help understand a little bit more mm. about that, but what did that like really look like for you? 80, 90 hours a week working with building coaching business, moving continents. Yeah. Still consulting. Oh. Like, I bet that was tough. I'm not sure I'd do it again in the same <laughs> order. <laughs> to be completely honest, because I definitely, um, you know, we, oh, oh my gosh, just crazy. But basically the rental market in New Zealand is so expensive. It's mm. the same price to own your own home as it is to rent because there's just a supply issue of housing in New Zealand. Uh-huh. And so not only did we move countries, we bought a house in the first few months. We, um, we arrived with two suitcases. We had nothing. Like if you think about, you know, furnishing a house, we had to go out at some point and go shopping for irons and vacuum cleaners and couches and set up a whole house and all wow. that kind of stuff. And, and also obviously the time difference flipped. So yes, I was consulting for L'Oreal, but they're headquartered in Paris. So that meant that I would start my working day for them around 4 PM and, and sort of go until midnight. And yeah, so it was intense, but at the same time, looking back, I'm like, how else could I have done it in terms mm. of, you know, having that income stream coming in, doing some consulting and making that work so that during the days I could build my business. And I, I just needed this to work. I just wanted it so badly to work. So I think when you've got that, why, when you've got that, you know, you can get up every day and you know that, okay. And I warned everyone, my friends and family, I was like, this first year is going to be hectic. And I know you're like, everyone's really excited. I've moved back home to New Zealand. Is it hectic? Hectic. Hectic. What is, what is, is that a, no, yeah. It might be my accent. (laughs) Hectic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hectic. Gotcha. So in New Zealand, our E's become I's. So in case you're wondering why I say strange, like I have a strange accent, that's basically the rule to follow. Yeah. Hectic. (laughs) Um, So yeah, things are hectic in the first year. Yeah, exactly. So, but at the same time, yeah. I think that's a secret to resilience, right? Like having your, having a why, just knowing why you're doing this. Cause I just keep telling myself almost every day, what if it works? Mm-hmm. What if it works? And a year from now, you could be a full-time career coach, location independent, able to live between New Zealand and France and create that opportunity for yourself in this life. Like what if it works? And I just kept going. So it was painful for, <laughs> for, for nine months in terms of working hours, but just, yeah, you've got to do what you've got to do, you know? Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask too. So this was not, it sounded like nine months that all this process was of, of, okay, cool. I think for 
for our listeners, it's always interesting because, you know, I think you're exactly right. I think we all know this process takes a long time, but mm. what does it actually look like? I think is so incredibly important. Mm. And even when those spots were, it was probably like days where it was hard to, to get up and then go right into consulting and all kinds of stuff mm. too. But having those pits and those peaks more so during the day, it's, and it's how we say it a little bit internally, it happened in your career, but more so coming back to that why. And that's something that we've mentioned on this podcast a ton. Mm. Is what's that why for you? And really knowing that helps on those hard days when things are hectic, when mm. things are going great. And more so when you've got to kind of, kind of turn off a lot of kind of turn off a lot of things in your life. Like, Hey, I'm going to be working now. And like, for me personally, I sacrifice and I'm going to get back to that point mm. with, with you, but I, I sacrificed a lot of the times where I was after work or weekends or things like that. So kind of switching gears more so back to the beginning for you, when you were getting started, what tools did you use and what did you find that was the most useful and helpful in getting started? I thought, given my background, I thought that I'd be starting a YouTube channel and it would kind of work from there and it kind of didn't. So what actually ended up happening is I started posting on Instagram the 20th of September. I have that date in mind. So I put my first post out there and introduced myself to the world as a career coach for the first time. Um, and I had been doing some beta client coaching. So, you know, coaching for free, getting people results, building that confidence up because just like everyone, I was shit scared. I hope I can say that on this podcast and I had mad, mad imposter syndrome. And so I'd been doing beta coaching and yeah, really building that confidence. And so I started posting on Instagram and when I started for the first, I'd say three, four months, I didn't have a website. I had Instagram and a Calendly link to book you know, a 30 minute call with me. That's it. Like, I'm such a big believer in this. To start a coaching business, you need a way that people can find you, one platform, one focus, one platform, I'll say it again, and a way that people can talk to you. And I think that's how you start. I had all these things like, I need the website. I need the, you know, the dancing unicorns. I need the, like, I need all the things to be able to have... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have been nice. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I need all the things to do this. And literally, I, I'm just such a big believer. You need, and, and like for me, Instagram account, way for people to hop on a call with me so I can ask them some questions, understand their pain points, and a PDF slide deck that has your offers laid out. And you can kind of talk them through that on the phone. I often talk about mic drop episode or po- moments on, these, po- on this podcast. And that is definitely one of them. Because just breaking down super simple for people, like I harped so many times on this podcast that websites are not the most important thing. And I think you broke it down more eloquently and a lot simpler is, hey, we just need people who can find you, then jump on a call because I think that's the next most important thing. Mm. And then really just understanding what can I do for you or mm-hmm. understanding where they are and then meeting them where you're at. And it's exactly. super super helpful because you're just actually getting on conversations with them and then Mm. be able to help out and really getting those practice clients and then turning to paid clients and and then building that confidence. So I'm curious for you in those stages, what gave you the confidence in transitioning and then becoming a coach, but more Mm. so kind of on the first part of the question, the second part of it is how have you changed as a coach and also as a business leader from that first point, September 20th to Mm. to now? 
oh, I don't even recognize myself, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it, the shift has been insane. But I think just starting out, as I said, through coaching people for free, it gave me, and seeing that I got results, I was like, okay, it started to build up that baby level of confidence, right? Mm. <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, baby steps. I can do this. It's interesting. It's, I think confidence as well comes from not over-promising. So when I'd be on the calls with people and really, really understanding their point A, where are they at today? What are their pain points? What are they struggling with? What are their roadblocks? What's not working? Then mm-hmm. understanding their point B, right? Their vision, their dream, what they want their career to look like, how they want it to feel, even if they don't know what that job title is. I would never, if I couldn't get them all the way to their point B, that's not what I would tell them. I'll tell them what I can do is absolutely get you from your point A about 80% there for sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe the whole way, I haven't tried it yet. Would you be willing to test it out for me, you know, at a reduced rate in exchange for feedback? I think that helps you feel really confident as well because you're never over-promising. You're just working within what you know to be true. You start small, you get results, and then you try a little bit more, get more results, try a little bit more, get bigger results. And then when you build up to that level where you're transforming lives, like when I got to the point where my clients were landing, you know, extremely prestigious master's programs and scholarships and dream jobs and Fortune 500 interviews and that kind of thing. I mean, that's where it comes from, right? You can only become confident through the action and results. At the end of the day, why do people invest in a coach? There's two two main reasons. Firstly, they want to not shortcut the process, but they want to get the results they want faster. You know, they want to work with an expert to save time and get there faster. And the second reason is that they want accountability. They want to, they've been talking about this, wanting this for so, so long, and they realize that they can't do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And so- I think in providing those two things and just scaling up over time, you can absolutely step into that space where you're like, I'm a coach and I'm a damn good coach. You know, it just comes back to those two fundamentals. I think, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that of like what it actually looked like, but I appreciate so much of what it sounds like actually on a call that you, for somebody you've never met before, you're hearing, Mm -hmm. you're just asking questions and then actually proposing that actually on the call. And I think so much of people, when we're transitioning to coaching, that the whole fact, and where I see a lot of it is the fact of calling yourself a coach is sometimes a huge roadblock because Mm. for a lot of us, we, a lot of the titles that we've had before have been given to us. We've never actually maybe Mm. self-diagnosed it or given ourselves a title. But the other thing too, and this is what I see often for new coaches or people who are looking to come into the space when you are on a call with somebody on a sales call the first time you ever met them is that it feels like you're trying to have to solve all the problem all at once. Mm-hmm. They're unhappy with their career. They don't know their strengths. They're not sure where to go next. They hate their employer, blah, 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 blah. And then you feel this, or at least why I hear and I see a lot is they feel this internal need as new coaches to then solve all the problems. But I think something, and I've, I talk about on this podcast a ton, which is, it's something that you said, and I double agreeing with everything that you said too, which is very much people invest in coaching for two reasons. But I usually like to say it is as coaching business, there, people invest for two reasons. One is results and mm. one is, tr- and I say trust, but accountability mm. in my mind is the same thing. Meaning mm. 
people have to know, like, and trust you. They have to know that they understand that you understand what mm-hmm. they're going through and really understand where they're looking to go on a deep level. And I think that's where accountability comes into place. Like I need to mm-hmm. know how to hold my client accountable and know where to push them and know where to put where too far is. And I know where not, not hard enough is too. Mm-hmm. But then also they have to know that I can get them to the results or at least get them on the road to results. And mm. having both of those things in place and communicating that, even, even if you're just starting out, which you brilliantly did, is kind of helps all those beginning pieces too. So I guess this is just me being a little bit curious. Mm. How many times, what was the time period in that? Or how many clients did you have to do that with just for our mm. listeners? They can have a little bit of a gauge in their head and not as a point of comparison, but you can yeah. see what it takes to get to this master level of coaching, if you know that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think I would say I had approximately 10 to 15 free beta clients starting from June to September. So while I was sort of building up um, and I, you know, was lucky in that I sort of announced it on my Not Even French channel and I said, you know, I'm changing careers and would anyone be willing to do some free coaching with me? And I was able to fill the spots via that. But obviously you could announce it to your LinkedIn community. You could, there's a, you know, mm. hundreds of different ways you can do it. And then I went through this sort of, I call it my scrappy phase of trying to help everyone with everything. And that's exactly what you were saying. So I would offer one call, power hour, have a one call with me, have three calls with me, have maybe six calls with me, you decide. And oh, by the way, I can help you with CV, LinkedIn, Clarity, like, all the things, by the way, you know, I can, I can do it all. And <laughs> the thing is, is that when people are looking for you, it's because they're overwhelmed. And so if you don't help them focus on what they really need, they'll stay there. So even if you're on the call and you're like, oh, I can help you with those 16 things, you know, then like it doesn't actually help them. Like the power of coaching is getting people quick wins and seeing that they're getting results now. So you've got to break it down. There's a reason that all the business gurus say there's the riches are in the niches. You've got to get specific on your zone of genius. But at the time I wasn't. And I probably in that scrappy phase, I think I worked with 40 clients. But again, that could have been like a one-off resume audit. That's not really, I don't view that as coaching as such. Mm -hmm. That's a tool. So yeah, but I probably worked with 40 people in this way before realizing actually, why am I doing this? It's not to earn like, you know, a few hundred bucks, like reviewing someone's resume. That's not my purpose. That's Mm -hmm. not my why. And so I sort of flipped the script and I was like, I want to create transformation. I want to change people's lives. I want to make an impact. So why am I doing this like busy, scrappy work, you know, and just sort of helping some people. And, and of course, like when people had, and what I noticed is that when people did the three calls or the six calls, that's when stuff started happening. But even in the three calls, I'd be frustrated because we would sort of like work on limiting beliefs and get someone feeling confident and clear on their next steps and stuff. But then they weren't getting the interviews and I'd look at the materials and they, they weren't marketing themselves. So there was like a piece missing. And then, you know, or I'd work with people on really branding and their personal brand and their story and their career stories and really marketing that and work on that suite of materials. But then I'd be like sort of, you know, after three calls, well, good luck kind of thing. And that land interviews that have eight interview offers, but they wouldn't quite be getting to that next step. And I wouldn't know why. And so what I realized is Rosie, stop you know, like you want, I mean, this is for me personally, but you want that A to Z experience of from clarity to landing. 
you know, from getting clear, understand your purpose, branding yourself and helping them to really land and lock in that next opportunity. You mm-hmm. want to know the end to the story, the beginning to this of the story, but you know, um, that's, and that's the space that I designed my program around my, my signature program. And so now I'm not, it's like, I don't have shiny object syndrome. I, like you go on my website, there is one way to work with me. I have one program. It's an eight week program. It has very, very clear steps. It's very clear on what's involved. And all of my messaging, all of my marketing, all of my content speaks to the people I want in this program. And all of my energy as a coach goes into this. And quite transparently, over the past four months, I've made like five times more than I had made in the previous, in the very first, let's say, like six months of my business doing all that scrappy coaching because I'm focusing on one thing and doing it really well. And then People get results, incredible results, word of mouth, testimonials, social proof, and it all just snowballs. Sorry, I'm probably going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. It's just, yeah, it's just what I really wanted to get across is that I don't think working with more people on more stuff is the smartest idea. And as I said, I probably went through like 40 people that I was working with in this way. And now on the glow up, I've had two cohorts of 15 people and, and the glow up the, is, your, sorry. is your yeah sorry it's called the career glow up yeah, the yeah. Up. Okay, cool. that's a great name <laughs> yeah it's my, my baby the glow up yeah it's called <laughs> the career glow up uh-huh. and it's so powerful and it's you know and people are in because they want big change and big mm-hmm. shifts and that's what I love to do as well so it's just win 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 so yeah I think there were a lot of growing pains and I'm glad I did what I did because I learned from it and I, I learned you know valuable lessons but I think there's also, I'm, I'm going to call myself out here. Why didn't I just start with a transformational program? Mm. You know, why didn't I just go straight there? And I, it's a confidence thing, right? It's, it's going back to, you know, no one will pay that. My niche, my people don't have that kind of money. My people, it's too much. I'll make myself inaccessible to students, like all of these things. I've got seven students right now in the glow up, you know? So it's, it's these kind of stories that we tell ourselves about what's possible and what people will and won't like and will and won't respond to. And yeah, I just, I just felt like I needed to offer everything to everyone. And it's actually the worst thing you can do. I 120 million percent agree. It's so much of seeing new coaches come in or we want to help. We want to help so many people in so many ways. And Mm. I think one of the things that I'm taking away from our conversation, but one of the things that you are just amazing at is this focus, this Mm. ability to focus on that one thing at the one time. And when I often think about what makes extremely good coaches and also extremely good business owners, Mm. and I always think about it as prioritization, what is the most important thing first? And how Mm. can you double down on things that make the most important thing work? And that includes what for clients as coaches, that includes what things in the business. And Mm. it's so incredibly impactful from your story, but more so of hearing the journey of getting to that spot too, because there's Mm. lots of growing pains and there's lots of looking back hindsight going, maybe one could have potentially done it that way. One of the worries I always get from people who are coming in 
they go, but if I just focus on one person, that's going to just, I can't then work with other people that I'm interested in Mm. working in. And that's going to stop me from helping other people or wait, if I pick my one spot, then it's set in concrete and then I can never work with anybody else again. And I usually tell them that's not true. It's not set in concrete, but just as what you mentioned, if you're speaking to everyone, but if you're really speaking to a lot of different groups, you're mm-hmm. really speaking to no one. And you really mm-hmm. have to find that one type of person who you actually want to talk to and really speak directly to them. That's where they will feel heard and you get that trust. And oh. I guess I'm kind of curious too on that point, but more so you mentioned the growing pains. And I was curious, mm-hmm. what were some of the growing pains or the challenges you had in growing your business, but also becoming a coach? I mean, like everyone, there were a lot of mindset growing pains, that belief that it was possible for me, that belief that career coaches can earn six figures plus, that belief that, you know, all those things of like, what's, I guess, what's possible. Um, And then a lot of the thing that you were talking about just now was scarcity mindset. And I struggled Mm -hmm. with that too. Like people have scarcity mindset, like, Oh, I better offer like a resume review for 59 bucks. And then I'll also do like a 30 minute LinkedIn one for 39. And then I'll also do this and I'll do that. It's because they're scared that their services aren't enough or there's not enough demand out there. As you said, and as you said, if I just choose one person to speak to, Mm-hmm. Like it's not enough. It's not enough, you know? So I definitely obviously struggled with that as well. And really the power that comes from choosing that one person that you're going to speak to, oh my gosh, your content creation, your marketing, everything becomes so easy. The number one thing that every single person says to me when they hop on a sales call with me is you're in my head. I'm reading your content and you're in my head. How do you know me? How do, how are you inside my head? And it's like, because I'm only talking to you. Mm-hmm. I'm only speaking to you. So of course, when you found my page, you were like, she's speaking to me, right? And so I guess I struggled with that. I struggled with waiting to outsource, waiting to delegate. So, you know, luckily I realized after spending, wasting three weeks, almost full time trying to build my own website. That's you know, shorter than mine. I spent way too long. <laughs> yeah. There are people who do this, Rosie, you know, and I made a promise to myself, I think to, as long as I had that L'Oreal contract, it was about six months. And as long as I had the not even French, you know, I had, I had monetized not even French and had sponsorships and things like that. I was like, everything that you earn from badass careers is going back in, it's going back in, it's going back in. And when I started doing that and getting people in their zone of genius to build the website for me to, I mean, Obviously within my budget, I still had to write all my own copy and provide my own photos. You know, I'm not saying I was able to do everything, but I was able to start paying and outsourcing and delegating certain areas of the business as well. And that really helped. And then I was able to focus on becoming a confident career coach, you know, and being in my zone of genius and doing what I call that revenue generating activities, like understanding, speaking to people, understanding their pain points, creating content around those pain points, having calls with people, just talking to humans and coaching. Mm -hmm. All of the other stuff, like the tech stuff, the website stuff, like all that other stuff you kind of start obsessing over. Like for me, I do YouTube videos. I have never done this. I've been like a proud YouTuber for three years. I've hired a video editor, you know, it's huge for me, huge. But letting go of that control and being like, is this going to make, is this making me a better career coach? Is this making me a better CEO of my business? Mm. And if it's, you know, busy work that you can outsource, I would definitely say like 
yeah, so overcoming that scarcity mindset was huge for me as well. Feeling like a squirrel that wanted to hoard any dollar you made in your business to actually being like, I'm going to reinvest. There's more where that came from. It's just going to make my business better. It's just going to, yeah. So I would say that was a big one for me as well. One of the biggest challenges that I had to work through as well was just, it's just because of who I am. So one of my top strengths is achiever. And the shadow to that is just setting crazy big goals. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I've hinted to it, but basically I was working myself to burn out as well. So also stepping back and being kind with myself and being like, what, like, where did this arbitrary goal come from that I had to meet in my first year, you know, and sort of being like, rather than, again, it's from that scarcity mindset, right? It's sort of like, I have to prove to myself that this could work. Otherwise it's, you know, but yeah, just making sure that you have like clear goals that are reasonable and you're not killing yourself over. And yeah, so that was a big thing that I kind of realized as well. I think one of my biggest realizations of the past month is that if you're doing this thing, if you're the CEO of your career coaching business, like like your cup has to be full. Otherwise you won't be in, in integrity when you're saying to your clients, like I can help you and I can take you to new heights and everything. Well, can you, like, can you, if you've got an empty cup, you know, like, can you really give them the best of yourself? And that's something that I've noticed as well. That's a big challenge that I've been working on is balance and burnout and all of that stuff. So that's been a big one for me as well. It's so interesting. We've had a lot of our recent episodes specifically on that where we've had people who have been going on sabbaticals, coming back from sabbaticals, about to go on Mm. one, who have planned a couple of them in the time. And I think that burnout is a very real thing. And especially when you are moving into owning your own business, but like very much in, in your story of like, of juggling a lot of the same things at the same time, that mm. if you aren't balancing that, if you're not taking care of yourself, like, you know, they have the analogy about um, airplane att- attendants, they tell you to put your mask on first before you put it on to others. That yeah. came from the, the last lecture by Randy Posh. I think he popularized that. Anyways, it's more, you know, as coaches, we take care of other people, but more mm-hmm. so is that we're leading by example, by doing the work that we want to do. And if we're not doing that, in my mind, we're doing a disservice to the people that we are looking to serve. And mm. so I think that always brings up interesting question around the burnout kinds of spaces too, and really what it looks like. And this is, um, as our listeners know, this is one of my favorite new questions to be asking, which is in building your coaching business and becoming a coach, what are the things that you had to sacrifice in doing all that? My social life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, I set myself massive goals for my first year because that's who I am as a person. I'm very, very goal driven. And I'm a big fan of like, you know, shoot for the moon. And if you don't reach it, at least you'll fall in the stars, you know? Mm. So yeah, there was definitely a time sacrifice involved for sure. Energy wise. And it's like a, it's a sacrifice in a strange way, but it's almost like it's an like ultimate game of faith. You have to show up and put out content and hop on that live and do that Instagram story or put out that video and have two people watching and it has to be okay. And that's like a sec- an, almost an ego sacrifice, right? Yeah. So I really, yeah, I, I'm a big believer and everyone will tell you their own way of building a successful coaching practice. But my way, let's say, is value, 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 content tips that, you know, just sharing so much giving away your best stuff basically and showing up consistently and building that no like and trust that you were talking about before. 
Mm-hmm. So I've got a relatively small community in the grand scheme of things, you know, like I, I remember also thinking about that, like, oh, if I ever want to make six figures, I'll have to have like 10,000 followers or, you know, and that kind of thing. But it's about having that small and mighty community. But yeah, there's definitely a bit of an ego sacrifice when you're getting started because you just have to keep showing up, putting things out there, getting five likes, you know, and just keep going and going and going, even though you're not necessarily getting that immediate return. So I think there's that side of things as well, like getting over yourself. Yeah. It's so much of the, I always think about it as the shoulds. Like, I feel like I should be here and I should be that. And also having the achiever strength is, I think about it as I love to check off boxes. And sometimes Mm. I will just create boxes so I can check them off. And sometimes then I ask, should I actually be doing these things? Is it actually pushing me more towards these revenue generating activities? Am I growing myself? Am I growing the business? All those Mm. types of things. And the consistency is, if there's anything that we should be doing, it comes around the consistency part of, but continuing to show up in those value added ways. I think you hit on something that I hear so much from our listeners is that, wait, if I'm giving away all these things, then what are they going to be coming to me with? If I'm telling mm-hmm. them how to do everything, then blah, 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 blah. And what I generally usually say back to that, and I'm curious what, what you think, but I usually go, well, they can honestly look for a lot of that stuff on the internet. All mm-hmm. these things exist. Why they come to us and why they come to coaches is for that accountability. They need mm-hmm. help actually translating that and putting that into action. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to add to that, it's, you're right. I mean, people don't need more information and would be arrogant if we thought that what we were talking about was so fresh (laughs) and novel that no one had ever heard of these concepts before in their lives. But they definitely come to us because there's the accountability piece. And also it's the way that you package it into a way that makes sense finally for the first time as well, mm-hmm. right? There's a, you know, seven step process or whatever it is, but you make sure that the journey they go on, everything comes at the right time. And also from a content perspective, a good best practice to keep in mind is give them the why and the what. So give them mm-hmm. the why it's important and the what it is, but don't always give them the how, you know, the granular. Okay. So literally step one is a step two is a step three, but you can tell them why something is really important. So it's really important to know your strengths. And there are so many ways you can do this. You can ask these kinds of questions. You can do this, these kinds of assessments, really, really important to know your strengths, but you're not having that session. Like we, you know, in a coaching session, when you're really asking those powerful questions and drawing out the learnings and the insights and like, that's a completely different level, right? Mm -hmm. But you can still talk about strengths and why they're important and how to find them out and to give them some questions and you can get them started. But You don't always have to go like 110% of the way either. Mm -hmm. One of my last questions before I do that, I think, again, one of those mic drop moments when it comes to the content creation pieces. And I think so much of the things that I'm taking away from the conversation that we're having and, and for our listeners here is that when it comes to the value added services, when it comes to creating that type of content from going the what and the why, but even how you're working with people in the business, that focus on delivering that the one way they can find you, the one thing that they can do, the one way that they can jump on a call with you, giving them the, hey, here's where you are in the process, here's what I can do, and here's the rest Mm -hmm. of you. Keeping it that simple for people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I hate to use the word simple, but keeping it, like we mentioned, people are coming in so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. that we just need to give them the next step. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that you do brilliantly and amazingly well, but more so, 
from a coaching perspective and from a business perspective, and even from the content creations perspective. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing that. Thank you so much. I think, yeah, of course. I think so many people nowadays are like, I should do this. I should do that. And listen to Gary Vee and see he says, dude, I do all these things. And <laughs> I should be on 15 platforms. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to start a TikTok account. Exactly. Oh, wait, it's going to be banned. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's, it's, it is incredibly valuable for, for everyone listening today. So one of my last questions for you is the, the clean slate question. So mm. if you were to go back, 10 months from now or at the beginning of this process and be creating your coaching business and becoming a coach, what yeah. would you do instead? Or knowing all the things you know now, what would you do instead? So I definitely niche down. I would have a very, very clear client avatar and I would be getting on phones with these pe- on the phone with these people. I'd be sending out market research surveys. I would be understanding everything that's going on inside their heads and I would get to know them so, so well. I would pick one platform and I would start speaking to them. I would start putting out content every day that spoke to their pain points. It spoke to their fears. It spoke to their doubts. It spoke to their goals, their vision, all of that stuff. I would be speaking to them and sort of creating and designing maybe like a really incredible, maybe one-to-one offer at first, right? So maybe like a four-step beta kind of program and design that. And so I would offer that for uh, free or very like launch prices, you know, um, just to get started because the whole point is to get results and get social proof and testimonials flowing in. So as I was going through that, I would be getting those, yeah. And those wins along the way, you don't have to wait till Mm -hmm. the end. Right. In my case, it's like, you don't have to wait till they get the job offer. It's like, Oh my gosh, I realized that I'd been holding my back in this myself back in this way. And I realized this and I realized that, and Oh my gosh, I, I, I looked at my new resume and I'm just like, is that me? And you know, all the little wins along the way. So you're showing up consistently, you're speaking to your person and you're sharing all these wins and these things and what it feels like and what it looks like to work with you. So I'd be doing that basically for three months and then three months, boom, I launched and tweaked and designed, but like I, I launched my, my new signature group program. And yeah, I think that's what I would do if I had like in my first three months, if I was starting again, basically. And so I wouldn't be bother about the scrappy thing. Again, it'd be one thing for one person, beta test it, get the feedback, get the testimonials, tweak it, refine it, package it up. And then, you know, like charge the price of the transformation and go from there. I think that that's what I would do if I started again. Awesome. You heard it here, folks. That's how you do it at the beginning is that amount of focus and preparation and just getting on calls with people and figuring out exactly what they want. So mm. what I'm taking away too, and just from you be on YouTube and just creating this compelling content is something that is incredibly valuable. But again, another one of the things I'm taking away from this conversation. So thanks again, but Thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast today. Thanks for sharing all your insights and happy early 10 month birthday. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and exactly. On that note, where can people find you? Where can they come and celebrate? And also, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you want to reach out and ask me any questions, feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram. So I'm at Badass Careers, or you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Badass Careers, or connect with me on LinkedIn. So I'm linkedin.com slash IN slash Rosie Career Coach. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. And 
very, very much appreciate you sharing your insights and really what it looks like in those first stages and even getting to now. So on that note, again, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to the podcast today. And we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.